It's in April of 1861 that Joshua Chamberlain was simply a student of theology. He was employed as an English professor. He was not a soldier. But when duty would soon call, Chamberlain would answer that call. It didn't take long for him to climb the ranks within the Union Army and become a colonel of the 20th Maine Volunteer Infantry Regiment. On July 2nd, 1863, Joshua Chamberlain and his 300 soldier regiment were all that stood between the Confederates and certain defeat on the Battle of Gettysburg. At 2.30 in the afternoon, the 15th and the 47th Alabama Infantry Regiments of the Confederate Army began to charge, but Chamberlain and his men held their ground. And then followed a second, and then a third, a fourth, and a fifth charge by the Confederate armies. By the last charge, there were only 80 men from Chamberlain's regiment that were left standing. Chamberlain himself had been knocked down by a bullet that had hit his belt buckle, but the 34-year-old school teacher got right back up. It was his date with destiny. When Sergeant Tozier informed Chamberlain that no reinforcements were coming and that his men were down to one round of ammunition per soldier, Chamberlain knew that he needed to act decisively. The rational thing to do at that point with no ammunition, no reinforcements would have been simply to surrender. But Chamberlain wasn't wired that way. So he made a defining decision that turned the tide of the war. Historians would say that this decision would single-handedly save the Union. In full view of the enemy, Chamberlain climbed into their barricade of stones and he gave a command. He pointed his sword and he yelled, charge. His men, the 80 men who were left, they fixed bayonets and they started running at the Confederate army which vastly outnumbered them. And they caught them off guard and in what ranks as one of the most improbable victories in military history, 80 Union soldiers with one round of ammunition captured 4,000 Confederates in five minutes flat. What seemed like a suicide mission saved the Union. Historians believe that if Joshua Chamberlain had not charged, that the rebels would have gained the high ground in that battle. And if the rebels had gained the high ground, there's a good chance that they would have won the battle of Gettysburg. And if the rebels had won that battle, the historical consensus is that the Confederates would have won the war. A one man's courage saved the day. It saved the war and it saved the Union. After the war... Joshua Chamberlain would go on to serve as the 32nd governor of Maine, the president of his alma mater in 1893, 30 years after this act of heroism. He was awarded with the Medal of Honor by President Grover Cleveland. And it was later in life that Chamberlain would reflect back on the war with these words. He said, I had deep within me the inability to do nothing. I knew I may die. 
But I also knew that I would not die with a bullet in my back. I love what he said. I had the inability to do nothing. See, Joshua Chamberlain had been given a mission. His mission was, I want you to lead your 300-man regiment into battle. I want you to fight until the end. Don't give up. Don't turn around. We need to win this one. So in the midst of the battle, when the going got tough, doing nothing was not an option. Running away was not an option. Surrendering was not an option. Standing by as a spectator was not an option. He understood the mission. He understood he had a mission. He didn't realize it when he was a theology student. He didn't realize it when he was an English teacher. But he had been made for that mission. And I came to tell somebody here today that you were made for the mission. When God formed you in the womb, he was already positioning you with purpose. The day that you were born, God had plans for you. When you came and knew the body of Christ, all of heaven began to rejoice. For not only did you find salvation on that day, but you found a brand new purpose and a brand new mission for your life. There's an old song that we used to sing in church. It went something like this, that I'm a soldier in God's army. And I'm marching, claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around because I'm a soldier marching heaven bound. Well, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier today and I know if I know anything about soldiers, it is this, that soldiers have a mission. There's a reason that you're a soldier and that is because there is a mission that needs to be accomplished. And that mission, it cannot be accomplished without you. You train for the mission. You may not be Joshua Chamberlain. You may not be Sergeant Tozier. You may not be the general that's leading the charge. But you're a soldier in the army of the Lord. And you have a mission. As a soldier, you were made for the mission. You have a mission. Jesus, in fact, some of his very last words... We're to tell us of the mission that each and every one of us has. It's in Matthew chapter 28 that it says that Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He says you have a mission. In fact it's not just a mission. It's a co-mission. We have been commissioned. It's a co-mission. That it, it's the mission that each and every one of us has. We all have the same mission. That we would go and make disciples. That we would go. And that we would find somebody who is lost. That we would find them. And that we would tell them. Come on there is another way for you to have eternal. There is only one way for you to have eternal life. And that is to give your life to Jesus Christ. And to let him wash away every sin. So that you can meet him one day on the other side of glory. And that we can experience eternal life together. We have a mission. 
Amen. I just want to speak on this subject here today that you are made for mission. In fact, this is going to be our anthem this month in the month of March that you were made for mission. That you, come on, you weren't just placed here in the body of Christ just to be a spectator. You weren't placed here just to be somebody who would look for the fringes. You weren't placed here to run and to hide. But you were placed here for the mission. And we are all called to get in the act and to go towards the mission. All together we have been commissioned. I want to take a look here today at the book of Joshua. We are going to get into the word. If there's any book in the Bible that puts on display God's people collectively making progress towards a, the mission that God has laid out for them, I believe it's this book right here. Maybe this book, and, and we see the uh, New Testament uh, counterpart in the book of Acts. We see them building the church, the mission that is there. But we want to go here to the book of Joshua, and we're going to start in chapter number 3. So the Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim, and they came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. It came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you should remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it. Two thousand cubits by measure come not Near unto it that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way heretofore. And Jesus said to the people, sanctify yourselves. Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now except for Joshua and Caleb. The older generation has all perished during their wanderings in the wilderness. They're all gone. And now God is commissioning Joshua to lead a brand new generation into this brand new challenge of conquering the promised land. Now, transitions are difficult. They're difficult in life. They're difficult within nations. They're difficult within businesses and organizations in many ways. But transitions are necessary. If you want to be all that God has called you to be, then a transition is necessary. God is never satisfied with us just maintaining the status quo in our lives. He wants us to grow in Him. He wants us to get involved in the mission. And so that is what God is calling His people to do right now. They, they've been landless without a country for nearly 500 years. And now God is saying, let's go. Towards the mission. The mission was always that you would possess the promised land. Come on, let's go and do something different. He's saying, I want you to take the land. That is your promised land. This is your mission. And it's at that point that the people of Israel are transitioning from this nomadic culture where they've just been wandering and, and then they had this slavery uh, complex and, and, and they're going from that into a nation that would be a conquering nation. An occupying nation. So it's quite a big change for them. They've been wandering and in bondage. And that's part of their DNA for five centuries. That's been part of their DNA. And you can't act like a wanderer and a slave. And you can't act like that and also be a conqueror at the same time. So God's saying, let's transition from who you were as somebody who was always just 
standing by, told what to do, and to somebody who is going after the mission. Now, God isn't transitioning Israel into a place where there will be no more battles. There's going to be battles. When you go into the promised land, there's going to be some walled cities and there will be giants that are there. Canaan it has all of those things. But what he's doing is he's transitioning Israel from a place where they would just fight battles and they would just go when they're still wandering around into a place where the battles that they're fighting are strategic battles. There's a reason that they're fighting these things because they're going to be more influential and they're going to be some things that are, that are going to be eternal that are going to take place because as a result of these battles that they're going to fight. When I think many times God has at different stages the same desire for us. He loves us, but he wants us to transition so that the battles that we're fighting and you go on, you know some, that you face some battles and we're here. And sometimes it's just like, I'm just trying to get through life. You're asking me to, to live on mission. You're asking me to, to, to embrace the commission that Jesus has called me to, which is to go and to make disciples. But I'm just fighting for my life. But what God is trying to transition us to is from just fighting for our life to going and embracing the mission and saying the battles are still going to be there. But there are going to be battles that are preparing you to be able to to help somebody else to, with their with their battles. And the things that you're going through are going to be testimonies for, for them to see, hey, I can make it. You can make it, too. If I made it through, you can make it through. Come on, we're in this together. Yes, there's some things that we're going to fight. There's some struggles that we're going to have. But I'm telling you that there's nothing like living for Jesus Christ. There's nothing like living on mission. There's nothing like bringing somebody into the body of Christ. And for them experiencing his love and his freedom for the very first time. There's nothing like it. That's why we need as a church to pray big prayers. Now, God cares about your problems, but God really cares about the gospel going around the world. So it's exponentially more important that we pray big prayers, prayers about missionaries, prayers about nations, prayers about things that are going on around the world, not just the things that are taking place in our tiny little footprint on this globe. Then There's things that are very important and you can play a vital role in that. You can play, you can pray big prayers that are going to have an impact that are far more powerful than you could ever imagine. So as we open this book of Joshua, Israel is there and they're at a very similar place to where our church is at today. They're on this threshold of a promise that they've held for years, but it hasn't been fulfilled. Now, 40 years before this moment, Joshua and Caleb had gone into the promised land. There were some of the few who had ventured in. They're, they're the only two that are left at this point that had ever stepped foot in the promised land. They were there as spies. When they came back, they were the only two who, who had uh, gone in there and they, and, and they came back with a good report. So now this time around, Joshua, he says, we're just going to send two in. We're not going to mess with 12 people. We're not, we're not, uh, we're just sending the two in. So they send two spies into the promised land and those spies that go to scout the city of Jericho. And here's the report that those two men come back with. It's in Joshua chapter two, verse 24. They said to Joshua, truly 
the Lord has delivered into our hands all the land. For even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. So this time, you don't have ten spies giving a negative report. You just have two spies that are giving a positive report. So right now, as we open to chapter 3, the Israelites are waiting there at the Jordan River. It's the natural boundary that divides the promised land from where, they, uh, from where they're at. The, the land of Canaan's on the other side of the Jordan River. They're on this side. There's no bridges there at this period of time. They can't really swim across because they can't really just walk across. It's in the flood season. And so thankfully they have a leader in Joshua who knows how to hear from the Lord. The same way that Moses had heard from the Lord when they were in the wilderness. The Lord is going to give Joshua a strategy. And Joshua is going to deliver it to the people of Israel. And then way back in Numbers. Way back in Numbers when they were wandering in the wilderness. It happened like this. It's Numbers chapter 10. It says it came to pass when the ark set forward that Moses. He would always say the same thing. Every time that they were ready to move. Moses would say the same thing. He would say. Rise up, the Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered. Let them that hate thee flee before thee. Every single time that they would move their camp. This is, imagine, like millions of people moving around the wilderness. And every time uh, they they would set up camp and then God saying, it's time to move somewhere else. And, And Moses would say this thing. He would say, Lord, rise up and let the enemies be scattered. Let them that hate thee flee before thee. And then they would get ready to go. And so now in Joshua chapter three, Joshua says to the people, when you see the ark of the Lord, ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Now that's the word of the Lord to the children of Israel. Go after it. He's telling them, go after where you see the Lord going, where you see the ark of the Lord going. The presence of God, it doesn't just show up everywhere for no particular reason. It now, he, now he is here in this place, but he doesn't just manifest his presence just anywhere. He's saying, when you see God, I want you to go. When you see God moving, I want you to begin to move. And here's what we do. We as spirit led people embrace the mission and we say, God, lead me to go wherever you go. And so Joshua here is saying, all right, God is leading us and we're going to set the 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 tavern or we're going to set the ark of the covenant where god's presence is way out in front and we're going to follow it god's going to lead us we're not going to do this like we used to we used to go and we had half of our uh half of our tribes up in front and then we had god right here in the middle and then we had half of our tribes in the back so now we're going to do it different Because we're going to a place that we've never been. We're going to put the ark way out in front. And we're not going to ever step foot there before God steps foot there. This isn't a place that we've been before. We're going to let God lead us. And here's what we do is as being mission minded people, we, we allow and we understand there's things that God is going to get us to do that are going to make us uncomfortable. God's going to get you to do some things that are um, that are uncomfortable. He's going to ask you to go and to talk to somebody about this gospel message. That you're uncomfortable about it, but God says, it's all right. I'll be with you. I'm leading you. Go. Come on, you were made for the mission. 
You were made for this. Don't forget, I made you for this. You have been commissioned. I'm there with you. In fact, I'm going before you. I've already prepared their heart for it. That's why I'm leading you to them. And God's saying, I made you for this mission. I want you to go. Come on, and I'm preparing a place. In fact, if we get all the way down, we see them finally going and they get to the river. And when they get to the river, it says that it wasn't like what happened previously when Moses came to the Red Sea. See, when Moses came to the Red Sea, he had gone and he stood there and God gave him the direction to take your staff. I want you to extend your staff towards that water. And when he did so, the sea parted. It made a highway where there was a sea. And they were able to cross over. But it was just one man that did that. This time, God's got to need, God needs to do something similar. He needs to make a pathway for them to get over into the promised land. But he says, I want you to get those priests and I want you to have them take a few steps right into the river. And as they take some steps right into the river, that river is going to begin to part. Well, the New Testament uh, speaks of us as the priests today. That we, every one of us in the body of Christ, that we fulfill that, that position of the priest and we can go and God is calling us. He's saying, I want you to be the ones that are going to take part in the things that are, that seem to be impossible. I want you to take part in the miracles. I want you to take part in this. And God, as he's asking us to embrace the mission, he's saying, I want you to go. And as you go, I'm going to go with you and we're going to see some things that, that seem to be impossible and God's going to work miracles and God's going to do things but why it's so that we can go and we can fulfill the mission I loved what what our missionary was, uh, was was talking about last week with the miracles that would happen the miracles are there so that the unbeliever would come to faith so that they would come to an understanding that God is God and I am not that God is God and he is able to do the impossible that God is alive and he is working today that God is able come on if you believe that then we can go and we can live on mission and we can see God's hand at work And it's not just a Moses that's doing it. It's not just the ministers that are going to pray for the sick. But God's calling you. God's calling you to be the ones. It's not Joshua this time. God's calling the ones from the congregation of Israel to go and to step foot into the the Jordan River and the waters parted. He's calling, he's saying it's going to be something different this time. And it says that they all went down. And as they went down, those waters parted. And then it says that as they went into that promised land, that there were cities. Remember, there were going to be cities. It's not about the fact that there's going to be no more battles that they're going to have to fight. But there would be cities. But there was a promise that God, uh, God sent them with. He says, if we can go, we're going to. Go all the way down uh, in, in, in our media. If you can, we're going to skip a bunch of verses here. We're going to go to, uh, to Numbers chapter 33. Numbers chapter 33. There's a long list of enemies that could have prevented them from entering the, Canaan, uh, the land of Canaan. If you were to read the Old Testament, you see the Amalekites, the Ammonites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Edomites. 
the Gebelites, the Gesherites, the Gibeonites, the Girgashites, the Gerzites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Horites, the Jebusites, the Kenites, the Moabites, the Perizzites. Everyone that is in Ites was there in that land. And everybody was standing in the way of them saying, this is our territory. They already lived there. But God promised them. He said, I'll go with you. They're all standing there in Canaan saying, we've lived here for a long time and you're not going to do anything about it. We're not just going to hand this over to you. But there's one little thing that stood in their way. One little thing that stood in their way, it was that God had promised the territory of everybody that I just named to the people of Israel. So they could stand there and they could try to occupy that territory and be as fierce as they wanted to be. But at the end of the day, God had promised that land to Israel. And Israel was going to own that land. See, the devil looks at you and he says, you think that you're going to get this promise? You think that you can really make an impact on this world? You think that... Living on mission and, and going and, and, and trying to make disciples. You're, you really think that you can actually have an impact? Your life has been so messed up. He'll tell you so many lies. He'll, t- he'll say, you can't do this. Come on. You, you, you're, you are no, no, you're nobody. He'll try to get, you know, get in your mind and play all kinds of games to, trying to get you to not live on mission. He'll get, he'll get you to, to think about all these things that just seem like too big of hurdles. There, there are too many people that are there. There's too many things in front of you that there's no way that you can actually live on mission, which is to be spirit led and to go and make a difference in this world. That's living on mission. It's going and making an impact and bringing somebody alongside you. Come on. And by the time that we're here in a month from now or two months from now that you have that person that you believe and you've been praying for and they're sitting alongside you and they're worshiping Jesus right alongside you and their life has been changed. That's living on mission. And but But the devil's trying to tell you, you can't do it. You can't do it. But here's the thing. God already promised, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. You live on mission. I'll send you. You go. Let's go together. We're going to do this. And so here they are. They're all living in the land. All these ites, they're all there. And they're saying, we've got the big cities. We're going to, uh, there, there's no way that you can come in. And then the devil's trying to, trying to tell you, you can't do this. I'm occupying this territory. But look, it tells us in Numbers chapter 33. To speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you are passed over the Jordan, notice when, not if, when you're passed over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you. God's already promised it. And you will destroy all of their pictures. You'll destroy all their molten images and quite pluck up down all their high places. And watch this. It says that you shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein. For I have given you the land to possess it. I know that they possess it now. But you are going to dispossess them so that you can possess it. So here's the picture. We're coming to a close here soon. If we can have our musicians come. So here's the picture. They're holding on to your possession with a death grip. They are holding on to your possession with the death grip. But you just start prying their fingers off of it one by one. You pray. 
And as you pray, you're going to see their kingdoms beginning to come down. You fast until you see the until you see the devil under the table. You just go after it and you dispossess them so that you can possess it. Here's what I'm trying to say today. For them, it was a mission that God had sent them into a physical land. But for you, it's a spiritual mission that God has called you to. And there are people right now that you have been praying for, that you have had on your mind, that they need what you have. And the, the devil's trying to tell you, I possess them. They're mine. Not talking about some kind of evil, uh, evil spirit possession, but, but he, he's, he's telling you they're mine. They're never going to be like you. They're never, and, and it's not to make them like me, it's to make them like Jesus Christ. That's, the goal is not to make them like me. But he's telling you they're mine. They're mine. They're never going to want that. They, they, they're going to reject everything that you would offer. Because God has called you to live on mission. God has called you to go into the world and make disciples. God has called you to a people. God has called you. And he's saying, come on, would you pray until you see something change? Would you pray until you see some things begin? To, to, until you see the bondages begin to be broken? Would you pray until you see them? Come on, start to see changes in their life. Would you pray until you, until you see and you have an opportunity to tell them your testimony of what God has done for you would you fast for them would you pray would you go in and live on mission believing that God is able and God is with you come on you have the promise can we stand in this place you have the promise but you've got to take it to the enemy don't take a spiritual nap on us right now don't take a spiritual nap on us. Don't just, don't just go home and, and sit down and say, all right, that mission stuff is good for Sunday, but now I'm home. Living on mission happens on Monday. And it happens on Tuesday. And it happens on Wednesday. It happens more on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It happens where you live, where you work, where you play. It happens in every area of your life that you live on mission. God has called you to a promise. Go home and ramp up that prayer life. Don't slack on your fasting. Don't give up an eternal, uh, somebody's soul that, that has an eternity. Don't you dare give up on them as long as they have breath left to breathe. Come on, don't give up on them. Don't give up in your prayers. Because the Bible says that if you do the work to dispossess the enemy, then he has to leave. That's what it tells us in Matthew 11. That from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. This isn't just an Old Testament promise. The promise is for you today. I wish that we would claim that promise here today. And if you believe it right now, if you say, come on, I'm, gonna, I'm ready to live on mission. I'm ready to believe that I can make an outsized impact that goes far beyond on how I view myself. If you believe that, if you want to take a step forward to this altar today as a proclamation that says, I'm engaged in the battle. I'm engaged in the mission. I'll do it. I'll believe it. Come on, I want to invite you up here just with hands lifted up. This is going to be a time of rejoicing today.
a time of rejoicing where we just say, all right, from this day forward, I'm in the battle. I'm made for mission. I'm not going to stand on the sideline. Come on, if you believe that, if you would go today and you would take part in the mission, come on, let's just come with hands lifted up and say, here I am, God, use me. God, I may be scared out of my mind because I don't know what to say, but God, use me. Help me to make a difference. Help me to live on mission. Help me to go into the promised land. Help me to trace, God, the things that you have called me to chase. Help me to be led by your spirit. Come on, is there somebody today that could say, I'm made for mission. I'm made for mission. If you believe that here today, would you just worship? Would you just pray to him right now? Help me, God. Help me from this day forward. There's a table that you prepared for me. In the prayer. 